Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. Our greatest desire is to make Jesus famous across the street and around the world. We want to see as many people as possible experience the love of God and make Jesus their king. Each year, we take time to focus on global outreach to celebrate what God has done through you, the Grace Life family, to reach your neighbors and your world. Join us these next three weeks as we go next door. Hey, Grace Life. One of the core parts of our vision as a church family is to reach our world. It is so important that we never lose sight of why we are still here on the earth. That is to see as many people as possible enter the kingdom of God by making Jesus their king. Each year we always do a series reminding us of the importance of the mission that Jesus gave us. And our theme this year is Go Next Door. This series is always more than just a few sermons. We think it's a pretty big deal. It's actually about reaching our world and not just talking about it. And so we always have opportunities for us to do that in a very practical way. Well, because of COVID, we've had to change how we're doing some of these this year. So either on your seat or available for download if you're worshiping with us online is a card explaining everything that we're doing this year and how you and your family can be involved wherever you are. Be sure to get this so you can be a part of reaching the world during this holiday season. And one last thing, we usually bring in a guest speaker or two who brings a special perspective to our theme each year. So, will you put your hands together and help me welcome our special guest today, a good friend of mine, the founder and director of CultureLink, Larry Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we start looking about and looking into the next few weeks about what it means to go next door, what it means to share Christ with next door. It brings back a couple of memories that I have of things that scared me to death when I was applying for pastoral positions or being, uh, being interviewed for positions and these kind of things. There was two questions that would be asked to me often. And one would be, describe your relationship with Christ. Well, I wanted to be real honest, inconsistent, um, fickled, um, um, you know, doubting, but, you know, that's not going to get me a pastor job. And so I started answering the question a little flipped of, well, let me describe Christ's relationship with me, faithful, never-ending. And I started getting interesting responses on that, and that's a whole nother sermon. But that was a question that used to really unnerve me. Here was the second question that used to unnerve me. And you're going to think I'm the very last person to come talk to you about this subject when I tell you this question. How many people have you led to Christ in the last year? Tell me about people you have led to Christ. Well, I need to let you know I am the most, even more than Jonah, the most reluctant evangelist there is. I love people. I love people, no doubt. But when it comes to that stereotypical 
method of evangelism, that, that kind of four spiritual laws method. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that method at all, or gospel conversations method. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that method at all. But when it comes to that, I'm the kind of guy that used to sit in airports and pray nobody sat next to me on an airplane. So I wouldn't have to feel guilty about it. And so that's what I love about social distancing right now is I don't have to feel guilty because they're separated from me. So it all works out beautifully. So one of the things I started realizing is maybe I don't really have an understanding about what it means to lead somebody to Jesus. Is it that salvation moment? Of course it is. But is it bigger than that? Is it a process? Is it something that we get to engage in? We hear that some sow, some reap, some water. You know, we hear those kind of things, but what does that really, really mean? So today, talking to you right here in this audience and to those of you who are tuning in from an extremely social distance way through a television or a computer screen, I want to free you up to be yourself in the process of leading people to Jesus. I want you to finish hearing what I have to say and think, wait a second, I believe that I can be involved in this. I never saw it this way, and some of you probably have, but I did not. And in order to do this, we're gonna go to a very, very simple passage that those of you who have come in the, grown up in the church or have some experience in the church all know the Great Commission passage. The Great Commission passage, there's many of them to choose from, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all have their own versions. But I wanna look at Matthew's. So right now, I just want you to listen or look with me. We're not gonna put anything on the screens quite yet. I want you to look and listen with me while I read this simple verse, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them, and he said to them, All authority, I want you to hold on to that thought, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, I want you to hold on to that word, therefore, and make disciples. I want you to hold on to those two words, make disciples of all nations. I want you to hang, hang, hang on to those three words. So I want you to hang on to authority. I want you to hang on to go. I want you to hang on to make disciples. I want you to hang on to of all nations. Because what I'm basically giving you right now is my outline. These phrases are going to be my outline. Let's keep going. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, hold on to, with you always, to the end of the age, to the end of the age. So we're just going to do a little discussion on authority, go, make disciples of all nations, and I'm with you. So these are the five things I want you to get your head around, and I want you to get your head around them not in a to-do, like a task kind of way. I want you to get your head around it in a relational way kind of way, a relational kind of way. 
When it comes to being next door or across the street or across the cul-de-sac or across the nation or across a Thanksgiving table or across a school hallway or across the ocean or across a cross-cultural setting or across an unreached people group, when it comes to those kind of things, we do not have to ask permission to be involved. Why? Let's look at this first phrase up here. Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Let's look at this first line. All authority. See that? All authority. Not a little bit of authority. Not just a piece of authority. Not the authority of just a simple man. But other translations of this says, the all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. What? The authority that created the universe The authority of God Almighty who lives in you has been given to you to do this. You don't have to ask permission. You don't have to feel insecure. You have authority. Now, we all know that authority done in a loving and balanced way has the most amazing impact on the world. But authority abused wounds people. Jesus' authority has always been balanced in the most incredible way, full of love and grace and mercy and compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, moved, gut-wrenched, weeping, bent over in pain because he saw the world hurting. That's authoritative eyes that could see one side of the world of this is how it was meant to be, but this is how it is. So you need authoritative eyes. We've heard this. You need to have Jesus' eyes. So what does that mean? What does he see? What does he see when he sees somebody across the street? Somebody who gets on your last nerve or somebody you totally disagree with, either politically or religiously or lifestyle What if that's such a word, lifestyle We'll put an L-Y on that. I'm making an adverb. Why not? So if, it, what, what if that, that's the case? Well, you know what authority is? Every single person is created in the image of God. Every single person, the image of God, is scarred in this world. Every single person has been given the image of God. Why? The authority of God said, you're created in my image, and you can have that authority eye of seeing that person's created in the image of God. Now, I don't want to get off in missiological terms, but it's really interesting when I talk about being created in the image of God. Only in Hebrew, but every other language in the world, you cannot identify yourself without saying God's name. I am, the I am, I am Larry Reagan. Larry Reagan, the reflection of the I am. You follow what I'm saying? If you say who you are, you will proclaim God's name in image. Now, why did I say Hebrew, the Hebrew language doesn't have that? Because it is implied because they do not write or speak the I am. They already knew that they are the nation in the image of God, the implied. 
So every single person you come into contact with, you have the authority to see them compassionately. You have the authority to help them discover God's image in them. And you have the authority to move toward them in the same way that Jesus moves toward them. So what does this look like? Let's look at this great commission passage. Go, make disciples of all nations. All right, just underline the word go coming up here. Go. We tend to think that the word go has to do with geography. It has nothing to do with geography at this point. The, the geographical part has to come with all nations. The word go right here means as you go about your going. What? As you go about your going, what are you going to do? You're going to make disciples. As Jesus went about his winting, he would see a fig tree and he would talk about it and the fig tree would wither and he would teach people about that. As he went about his winting, he bumped into a Samaritan woman and he talked to her about the fact that she was dying inside and needed living water. He also had secret meetings at night with a guy named Nicodemus. Yes, the first record of Nick at night ever. I'm here all weekend. <laughs> anyway, and, and he, he didn't concentrate on, on, on Nicodemus' behavior or on, on the Samaritan woman's behavior. But as he went about his winting, he concentrated on discipling them. So as you go about your soccer momming, as you go about driving your kids, as you go about sitting in your cul-de-sac with friends, as you go about sitting in the bleachers, week after week after week after week with the same people, my daughter threw us a curveball when she was a sophomore in high school. The curveball was she told us she was going to go out for a water polo team. What? And she did. And within three years, she was ranked in the top 50 water polo players in the United States. And as the center defender, and she was playing for the Southeast Junior Olympic team. Well, let me tell you what began to happen. Whether it was playing at Stanford or in Orlando or wherever, I found myself for three years sitting in the same bleachers with the same parents in day in, day out. I didn't have to go running around. God was putting people in my midst. I just needed to awaken and start looking for their hurts, their insecurities, their questions. So what does making a disciple mean? It means coming along somebody and moving them down a spiritual continuum. That's what it means. It means you bump into somebody and you come way over here and they're at the point where they say, hmm, I don't believe in God. And then they say, hmm, maybe there is a God. You know what you've done? You've made a disciple. You've moved them down the spiritual continuum. You know what else you've done? You've started leading them to Jesus. So how many people have you led to Jesus? Well, I led somebody to think there was no God to maybe there's a God. To I'm okay with the God thing. To I don't necessarily know what to do with the God thing. I'm not sure about Jesus. Well, I'm okay with Jesus, but I don't get it. He died for me. <laughs> I'm not a sinner. And then they go, wait a second, I have children. Now I understand sin. Or I got married. Now I understand selfishness. I mean, whatever it takes. And then you get to this point where right here in the middle is when they become discipled on that moment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they accept that profound thing that on the cross, 
He died for our trespasses and sins. But we needed more than that. It wasn't just our trespasses and sins. The cross took care of that. We were forgiven at that moment. But if we didn't have Sunday in the resurrection, we would be forgiven dead people. But we had the resurrection and we were made alive. And people come to that realization. Then they come on this side of the uh, on the on this side of uh, discipleship, and they and they start to realize, wait a second, uh, what do you mean forgiveness? What do you mean? I've got to forgive the people who wounded me in my life the same way Christ Jesus forgave me? Whole nother sermon. I won't get off to what is true forgiveness. You have to have me back for that one, but we have to struggle through what that means. What is that? What do you mean no more condemnation? What does that mean? What do you mean? Oh, nobody can condemn me. Well, let me tell you what else that includes. You can't even be ashamed because shame is self-condemnation and there's no room for that in Christ Jesus. And you get all the way up here to where Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and Jimmy are. Yeah, he's such a good friend. He's out of town. I won't even see him. I know how I'm treated. I see him for who he is. Anyway, and so let me just point out to you the fact that from the middle point, we forget the discipleship happens on this side of the equation. In fact, the majority of Jesus' discipling was done before they were believers, So wait a second, can I be involved in this process-oriented evangelism? Can I be? Is that possible? I want to share a few illustrations with you that simply have come towards my wife and I as we've lived life and spoke when we needed to and asked questions at the right timing. So years ago, we lived in Budapest, Hungary, um, right, not far after the, the fall of communism, and, and our very best friends in Budapest were, were State Department workers. So we started meeting them, and we, we got to know them because we, we had the shared, the shared heartbreak at that point in our lives of infertility. That's how we got to know them because our wives were, were in an infertility support group and seeing an infertility doctor and and, and so then all of a sudden the husbands get invited in and we're having conversations that normalize the very abnormal and it's just kind of a weird, weird way to start a friendship, to be honest with you. And we started hanging out with them and, and David says to me, as clearly as I'm speaking to you, he goes, hey, listen, I just want to make a few things clear here. I'm an atheist. You're a missionary, I think politically we're on different sides of the spectrum, the way we view life, the way we view the world. We couldn't be any further apart. So I want to put some ground rules together. I said, okay. I'm like, okay, where's this going? He goes, I really, really want to be your friend. I said, okay. He said, but you got to promise me you'll never talk about God with me. You know what I said? Okay, because there's a million ways to talk about God without ever talking about God. So I honored that. They told a story about their childhood had been adopted and the miracle that had happened in that adoption, and they're using the term miracle, and I'm thinking, how can you have a miracle if there is no God? But in nonetheless, I'm not going to point that out at this point in the game. We're not going to do that. So maybe a few weeks later, maybe a month later, I don't remember the details, we're eating dinner, and David looks at me and goes, do you want to know why I don't want to talk about God? I said, as long as you're the one bringing up the subject, 
Sure. He said, well, this is why I don't want to talk about God. When I was in high school is when the first Star Wars movie came out. What? Where are we going with this? And he said, I went to the opening night, midnight showing, and then for the next weekend, over that weekend, I could not sleep because I kept having dreams and thoughts that there really is a good force in the universe and there really is a bad force in the universe and maybe the good force is God and maybe the bad force is an enemy. Maybe this is true. Maybe there's something to it. And I went to, he was 16 years old at the time, he said, I went into my high school and I found the only person in my high school that I thought was a Christian and I told them what I'd been struggling with over the weekend and they said to me, God would never use a New Age movie like Star Wars to speak to you. So I decided then it wasn't God. And my mom told me, David, you've always had such an imaginative personality. You could write screenplays. This isn't God. He said, so that's why I've never really wanted to talk about God. I said, okay. And he said, well, I said, do I have permission to respond? I mean, I can be a hair sarcastic in Jesus' name, of course, but nonetheless. He said, yes. I said, David, I believe that was the God of the universe who created you, that was pursuing you with his whole heart at that point. And I believe he has continued to pursue you for the last 20 years. And I believe that he moved my wife and I from, from the United States to Budapest, Hungary, to give us the common heartache of infertility so I could sit across this table to tell you that God was pursuing you then, and he is pursuing you now. And the man burst into tears and said, I always wanted it to be God. So what do we do? There is no God. I wanted it to be God, so there's a God. And he literally said, I'm okay with the God thing. Now, you think I should have dove right in there. Well, I should have presented the four spiritual laws. I should have done all this stuff, but I didn't. We just left it there. So time went on. Failed IVF rounds for them. We couldn't afford IVF rounds. That wasn't an option for us. Meanwhile, my wife and I are working with gypsies in Romania, and we get prophesied over in one of the weirdest experiences of my life where they prophesied over me saying, you're going to conceive a child, and another couple's going to conceive a child to prove that I exist. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And I could go through, I could go through a, a bunch of different stories about this process, and then we discovered we were pregnant the old-fashioned way. And then we were afraid to tell them. So after three months, we told them, and they burst into tears to tell us that they were pregnant too, but they were afraid to tell us. 22 years ago, this coming April, my son Luke was born, and 22 years ago, this coming May, Sam was born, Samuel, the birth of Hannah's son with infertility. So I shared the story about the gypsy prophecy over us. It's my story. You don't have to believe it, but it is true. And you would have thought he would have come to Christ at that moment, wouldn't you have? No. He said, I believe that God cares for me. I believe that God hears my prayers. There is no God. I'm okay with your God. I believe there's a God who hears my prayers. I believe there's a God who works miracles. We're still way, 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 way away from this. 
Six years. Six years. They're back in Washington, D.C. We're in Atlanta. Phone call. Hey, we put our kids in something called the Vacation Bible School. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> they came home with a Bible verse I just heard. Have you ever heard of John 3.16? Yeah, I'm aware. So that God so loved the world, the entire world, that he gave his son. I said, yeah, he goes, it's the whole world. He loved the whole world. Christianity's not exclusive. Christianity's incredibly inclusive of everybody. I said, yeah, David, that's true. What are you going to do about that? That was my response. I don't know what to do about the sin thing. My wife said, David, that doesn't surprise me. You got your law degree from Harvard. You got a master's from the London School of Economics. You speak six fluent languages from Hungarian to, to Taiwanese to uh, you, you speak all these languages. We kind of get yourself, you're, you're like the perfect person. Yeah, we kind of get that you don't kind of know how yuck you are yet. And he kind of went like that. He, she goes, hmm, God will show you how yuck you are. Six years later, now Sam and Luke are born. They have their adopted daughter, Sally. They have Sam. We have Luke. We have our, this is the only time we're ever going to get pregnant. It's never going to happen again. We have our daughter, Cameron. And they come down to Atlanta and we, we, they leave their kids with babysitter up in D.C. We ship our kids to, to grandparents, and we go to a vacation down in, in, um, um, down in, in um, the coastal area of Georgia. And the women have sent the guys to the, um, the women have sent the guys to the grocery store. So we're standing in the checkout line, and David says to me, "Hey, Larry, I want you to know I'm okay with the whole God thing." What do you mean, the whole God thing? The whole God thing. David, what do you mean, the whole God thing? I mean the whole God thing. I need more information than the whole God thing. I refuse to word, use Christian words like born again or saved. I don't care what words you use. Beep, 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 beep. Tears start coming in his eyes. Tears come in my eyes. She, he said, this is what I believe. David Van Cleve is a beep up, except he didn't use beep. And God sent his son for the beep ups to forgive our beeps. And he rose again to make me alive and a conqueror. That is what I believe. Six years asking questions. Six years of them deciding they would host the investigative Bible study in Hungary in their home. Six years of interactions about John 16. Six years, two years after that, I baptized him at my church that I was pastoring in Atlanta. And our small group of investigative Christians came and another lady in the group who'd been through a whole process as we're baptizing, she said, I believe this as well. Can I be baptized today too? And my wife baptized her. The same eight-year process, but another person. Is it hard to eat dinner with somebody? Well, let me go back to this. So we live in a neighborhood, and I love Survivor. I'm just going to tell you, I love the show Survivor. I've seen every episode of every season, and there's 40 of them now, okay? 
I love Survivor. And I am so sad right now with COVID that there is no Survivor. Bachelorette and Bachelor, don't do it for me. Survivor. All right? So in our neighborhood, we found other Survivor lovers. So we started meeting on Thursday nights. And we're such good parents, we found, figured out that the the baby monitor, we could be four houses down and we could still hear our children on the baby monitor. Don't call defects, they're grown now. But that's, so we're, we put them to bed, we go over, we watch Survivor, and this goes on. And we're with a couple in our neighborhood who were not believers, who never came to hear me preach, never anything. We're at a neighborhood party one time. The woman is a little bit tipsy, and somebody else said to her, You probably need to go to church sometime. And she said, I don't have to. He's my pastor. He comes to see me every Thursday night. There could not have been a better compliment. We talked about God. We talked about how poorly they made Christians on the show. They look like idiots sometimes. We would talk about all this stuff in their home. We talked about raising kids. We talked about politics. We talked about all this, and we would bring in the Christian perspective along the way. I don't remember, eight or nine years later, I get a call in the wee hours of the morning and it is her husband, and he says to us, Larry, can you come over here, and can you come over here fast? And I get out of bed in my sleep pants and a T-shirt, and I go barefooted down to the house, and I get there, and the wife is laid in the floor, collapsed. She had just gotten a phone call that her brother and her niece and nephew had all been tragically killed. When I say tragic, I don't want to put details out. One of the most horrific situations I have ever seen in my life. Years of survivor put us there at that moment. Police were involved, all kinds of things. I I don't want to go in details. Body being held up, mess after mess after mess, and they said, can you do the service for my brother? I said yes, and we met in New Orleans on that lake right there, right above New Orleans, and we gathered together, and in God's sovereignty, it happened to be Good Friday. And I was able to stand there and say, as painful as this is, this is the day that the world marks that Jesus died for heartaches like this. And what he's really good at, he's really good at resurrecting the most painful things in our life because he's good at resurrecting things from the dead. That doesn't mean he fixes situations, but God's really good at resurrections. And that's the day she verbalized us for the first time that she believed. That she believed. Okay? One of my best friends is a Muslim guy. I'm going to wrap this up. I see my clock ticking down. He's a Muslim guy. Believe me, we have all kinds of banter going. All kinds of things he has, he, he, one day we're sitting there and he said to me, if I never become a Christian, will you still be my friend? I'm like, of course I will. Of course I will. Why, why would you even think that? He said, well, because sometimes I just feel like a project to Christians. I don't feel like a friend. I said, now, of course, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know that. I desire that for you. And then I turned and I said, if I never become a Muslim, Will you still be my friend? He said, yes, but it would do, do me really good if you would become a Muslim because then I would get a lot of virgins in heaven. All right, thank you. Ulterior motive there. But so this is the kind of banter in life. 
Who is your person? Who are you already walking life with? What does that look like? Can we put people on the continuum? Can we go about our going and make disciples, make disciples, and then the little underline of all nations, all nations means your neighborhood. They're part of the nations. The going is how we live it. The nations is our playground to do it on. That's where the geography comes on and comes in. The last time, the last time I looked, we're part of the nation sitting right here today. You're part of the nation sitting right where you are, watching this via video. Go across the street. Listen, it's really important. COVID has shut down Sunday morning services for the most part. The church in the United States has got to quit depending on the hour and 15 minute meeting. And it's got to be unleashed, unleashed to the neighborhoods. And you have the authority to do that. So interestingly enough, when David came to Christ, I wasn't anywhere near him. I didn't kneel with him. I didn't say a prayer with him, but I was, the pro- I was part of the process all along the way because the Holy Spirit draws men unto himself. Just be in the process. Be able to ask questions. Be able to put the ball back in their court. Like, yeah, I'll still be your friend, but why won't you even consider being a Christian? Why not? Why not? I'll tell you what, let's both pray to who we believe is the one true God. Just use that phrase and let's see who reveals themselves to you. And he said, well, Allah doesn't respond to us that way. I said, well, my God does. So maybe we should try that. What is that doing? Moving someone down the path. Now, whether he does it or not, I don't know. We can talk about Michael. Yes, I don't look like it, but I meet at the gym two days a week with a guy who outlifts everything because he's 38 and I'm 57. So there you go. Again, but I started to be awakened to the fact that there are people in my life. There are people in your life I mean, right outside is a little house, right outside, right here, right outside of this room, there's a house that whoever God's putting on your mind right now, go write their name on that house. They have, they have Sharpies out there for you to do it so that you can begin thinking of them not as projects, but people in the image of God that you just need to spend time with, relationships with. God's the initiator. The last words I want to bring up before I close teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. You're not alone in this. You have the authority, and you have the partnership. Oh, but what if I say the wrong thing? God's bigger than you saying the wrong thing. The right, the right heart will cover a multitude of wrong blunders.
It will. It will. It will. Years ago, I was in this incredible revival service that you can only have whether you're in South Carolina, Georgia, or Alabama, those kind of type, about old revival services. There was an African-American preacher preaching on this, and he started talking about that we were missing out on the presence of God when we miss out of Matthew 28. And, and, and he went on to say, let me tell you why you're missing out. You're missing out because there's a unique way to experience God. Yes, he's always with us, but he's always with us in this process of leading people to Jesus. You know what? When I'm teaching somebody about Jesus's forgiveness, I'm still leading them to Jesus. When I'm talking to somebody about no more shame, I'm still leading them to Jesus, just a deeper Jesus. They just have the Jesus within them now versus the Jesus outside of them. And he used the old King James phrase, and he said, the low I am with you always, low, go. He said, there ain't no lowing unless there's going. Tell you what, I want to experience the low end. So I love standing in my cul-de-sac and be about my going. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of the universe. I don't understand theology. I know you have people chosen from every tongue, tribe, and nation. I understand that that exists but I also understand that you call us to be in that process. And Lord, I just ask you to awaken me to come alongside of those that you've called so I get the celebration together in that. I want you to awaken Grace Life Church. I want you to awaken people who may be watching that aren't part of Grace Life Church. I want you to awaken the church of Jesus Christ to go about their going and to relax in the process of making disciples. Make disciples over soup, over coffee. Folks, God says you are the church. The first time somebody visits church is when they get coffee with you. God, may the people here realize that they are the church. They are the church. And if you happen to be sitting in here and you've already had a lot of little conversions along the way, but you haven't come to that incredibly significant conversion in the middle where you realize that Jesus is your Savior. Get in touch with somebody. Send an email to this church. Meet with somebody before this service ends. I mean, just don't miss it. Don't miss it. He's forgiving you and he wants to make you alive. God, draw those people unto yourself. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. 
head over to gracelife.church resources, where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.